Hi there, Golf Fanatics. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. It really is a pleasure to have you take some time out of your busy week to listen in to our Golf Fanatics podcast. Uh, this week, I've got one of my favorite people on the planet joining me, uh, my good buddy, Blake Shue. We really got started. Blake started, as you can tell, you know, from his white hair. He got started a long, long time before me in golf. Uh, but we did some work together and really i thought it would be a neat discussion for just the two of us he's in town he's spending a couple of days with me and uh, just to have a great discussion about some golf stories i know this when i spend time with golfers we always seem to talk and come up come up with some great great stories and blake and i have got a few doozies that we're going to share with you over the next uh, 30 40 minutes or so so settle in enjoy we once again hope that we can share some information with you the everyday golfer to give you more joy out on the golf course and ultimately help you play better golf this episode is sponsored by arcos golf And without further ado, I'd like you to introduce. Uh, I'd like you to. I'd like to introduce you to my buddy, one of my best friends in all the world, Blake Shu. Blake, great to have you here, Pods. Pleasure to be here. Um, Pleasure uh, to be with you on, with Golf Fanatics. Uh, thanks for coming all the way into town just to film this podcast with it, us. It yeah. was a it was a long long roundabout flight. We got here. <laughs> um, well, a lot of you don't know Blake. Uh, Blake is. Currently no longer in the golf business. He was in the golf business for a long, long time. Uh, he spent a good portion of his career as a teacher. He spent a good portion of his career really as a manager, I suppose you could say. Hey, Blake. And, and administrative side. Yeah. Administrative manager, managerial type side. Uh, in the Primarily in the golf instruction side of things. And uh, he, he worked for a long time for David Ledbetter. We started out as teachers at... Uh, David Ledbetter Golf Academy, Junior Golf Academy down in uh, Brenton, Florida. And then uh, Blake spent uh, not very long, a year or so, maybe a year and a half. JGA, yeah. yeah, working with Hank Haney. And so he's got uh, some good experience. He's got some great stories. We've had some great golf experiences together. And, and Blake, what, uh, you know, we've had a discussion obviously before and we've come up with a little bit of a game plan as to uh, some of our experiences on the golf course that, that we are willing to share and uh, what comes to mind. You know, I think we were, we were kind of reminiscing about those early days back in the late nineties when we were at the, the facility there in Bradenton. Uh, they had a very, very rustic, I guess you could call it a practice area. Yeah, it yeah. was flooded most of the time in the summertime with the heavy rains there. And uh, and it was really just great to see these young kids. They'd, they'd come there from Thailand, from Japan, from um, what, what was the name of that program that they had with all those those Japanese players that, that came. Oh, over? Yaziji, the, the, yeah. the, where players would come over from Japan and learn uh, golf yeah. and how to speak English. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know. And, uh, you know, David Gossett, you know, he, he trained there, uh, obviously won the U.S. Amateur. Um, you know, you, you worked uh, with the Ari and Nari. Um, the Song Sisters. Yeah, yeah. And, um, of course, you know, one girl almost won the Dinah Shore. As a, I mean, I think, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she, was, the... she was 13. And when, when Ari was 13, she yeah. finished top 10 in the, uh, 
in the LPGA major. Yep. You, um, and that you worked with that girl from, um, she finished second to uh, Siri Pack, uh, or, or if you're from- Je Jenny Shasiriporn. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was actually in, in Wisconsin. It was. That's a you, great state. You ever been to Wisconsin? I, I have. <laughs> what color are there? Are there barns there? <laughs> Blake is originally from Wisconsin, and so he's uh, indoctrinated me in all the uh, all, all things great Wisconsin, and and there seem to be a number of them, uh, but they all seem to originate uh, with the 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 great football player Brett Favre, who played for the Green Bay Packers for a long time, and uh, you know the traffic lights are. <laughs> are uh, red for the Wisconsin Badgers and green and yellow for the Green Bay Packers. And you've got a yeah. good memory. <laughs> <laughs> All of these things. But, you know, one of one of my favorite stories, Blake, is actually a couple of years ago where we went, we were doing, I believe at the time it was a revolution golf school. And uh, I had convinced you to come and spend a couple of days working and, and, and we were going to be um, teachers together. We would oftentimes team up as a, a, a twosome of teachers and have our group of students at these golf schools. We've got some uh, sold out ones coming up for golf fanatics in the next couple of months. But uh, uh, what happened there was we were so excited to be doing the school at Whistling. We said, hey, let's get out there the day before and go and play around the golf. And so we got a couple of the other teachers and there was four of us and uh, we had caddies and Awesome day. Seven, it was, 70 degrees, not a breath of wind. It was perfection. Exactly what you would hope for uh, when playing Whistling Straits. It was just not a cloud in the sky, three miles an hour of wind, and something between 70 and 80 degrees. It, it was, was just amazing. And yeah. we got um, the... the, the had, yeah, yeah, it had caddies, and we, and we got a very interesting chap. We had somehow we drew the worst caddy in the world, the worst caddy in the in the world. Um, he got into an argument. He was actually my caddy. So he was your caddy, and I I have to just say, you know, he he came up on the range and wanted to start giving you golf lessons yeah. before you know. I don't even think you'd gotten yeah. any deeper into the bag than a nine iron, and he was already <laughs> trying to give you some some pointers. Oh, this guy was magic. And, <laughs> And we we got in a in a into a, a minor dispute um, within the first five minutes yeah. on the range. Yeah, we hadn't even teed off yet. Yeah, and uh, and it just it pretty much went downhill from there. Yeah, it went downhill from there. Did we and, end up paying him or tipping him? I don't think we. Yeah, tipped we did. Him. I think no, we, we, did. we we did. We did. Uh, but but um, I know this. What what my goal was, was like, this was a nice day just for us before doing the golf school to get out there. And we were so excited. It was a perfect day. Yeah. And uh, we were enjoying the round. And, you know, I, I said to myself, listen, I'm not going to let this guy bring me down. Drive you crazy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to let him ruin the day. And I'm definitely not going to let my feelings towards this amazing caddy um, ruin everybody else's day. And so, I managed to make it to about the seventh hole <laughs> uh, where, yeah, we, we, we had words, we had words, I think on the seventh hole. And I like to think of myself as a pretty easy go lucky guy. I'm um, certainly when it comes to caddies and, and when it comes to playing casual golf as 95% of my golf is nowadays. Um, but 
I think by by the seventh hole, he was aggravating everybody in the group. He was. And he was. Uh, yeah, he was telling you why how the ball curves. I, I, I remember he was. It was, was based on shaft flex. Shaft well. flex. That's yeah. the only reason the ball curves is because you have the shaft flex too stiff or or, or uh, too weak. Yeah, you know, yeah. He was a legend. He was a gem. We put in a special request actually to make sure that nobody in our golf school received the services of this fine oh, young yeah, caddy. Right. Actually, we've got a photo of him somewhere, somewhere. but I can't remember his name. Uh, but you did get to taste spotted cow that day. Spotted cow, yes. If if uh, if you're a beer drinker or a beer lover and you uh, travel to the great state of Wisconsin, it is only sold in Wisconsin. And uh, track down a spotted cow. I think you will enjoy that. Also, I must say, we would highly recommend Whistling Straits. Oh, it's fantastic. It, I know when I went there, there were two things I was prepared for or not prepared for. Um, one was I had always heard they didn't know how many bunkers were on the property. And I thought, well, that's kind of crazy. You just go to the first hole. It's kind of one. And you count how many, <laughs> you count how many bunkers all, are there. And then you, attached. And then you go from there, yeah. you know, and then you go to the second hole and you add up at times 18 at the end. And that's how many bunkers are there. Well, um, go there and check it out. Go there and check it out. There are a number of bunkers that are, you know, not much bigger than a, a three by three square yeah. area. Um, and some of them are on the seventh hole and some of them cross over onto the 14th hole, you know? Yeah. And so it's, you can't tell where these bunkers are. And uh, th that is something that's interesting. Also, I thought it would be very difficult. And I must say, I found it to be immensely playable, certainly on a nice day. Now, if you go there and it's 50 degrees and the wind's blowing 25 miles an hour, that's a different deal. But uh, on a lovely day, uh, it was tremendously fun and yeah. I couldn't wait to go. I, I can't wait to go back. I, I can't wait. You know, the, the landing areas are, are generous, they're fair. And, uh, you know, we played it, what, like June 1st or something like that? Yeah. yeah it was, yeah. It, it was early summer. Really good shape for, yeah. in, for early season golf in Wisconsin. So um, yeah, that, that was great. Like, so. let's, let's uh, tell some stories about uh, our trip to Pebble, where we went with David Ledbetter. or? I can't remember. We went with David Ledbetter and Tom Watson. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, got to uh, got to fly got to fly uh, with just David and, and uh, Tommy Watson uh, across the country. We we flew someplace, picked them up, and and then and then the four of us. Oh, Jacksonville maybe. We met in Jacksonville. Yeah, too. we met in Jacksonville. We left from Jacksonville and we flew from Jacks to Pebble Beach. Yeah, uh, we stopped off in New Mexico somewhere for a refuel. Fuel, yeah, and uh, it was it was really a great journey. Of, you know, five or six hour trip. Yeah, listening to stories about you know the Open Championship and and uh, I, uh, I he, he talked about hand position putting. It was just it was really a, a, an unbelievable uh, six hours. But uh, the one thing I remember. Um, was he talked about his father and, you know, he kind of said, I'm paraphrasing because I don't exactly remember, but he basically kind of said, in order to be a really good golfer, you just got to be tougher than everybody you're playing against. If you're tougher and you're meaner and you, you can just kind of get down in the dirt and pull it out of the dirt, dig it out yeah. of the dirt, as they, as they used to say, um, you'll be fine. But if you're not mean and tough, eh, don't try. And that was, that was really my takeaway um, of Tom, Tom Watson, he was a, 
a straight up guy. There was no frills to anything he said or did. Um, but the sense I got early, early on from him was uh, it was, you know, just just give me the answer. Um, I don't need you to sugarcoat anything. Um, he um, he's a tough dude. Um, he's not going to he, he's not necessarily there. And I often think of him in his role as a Ryder Cup captain. Uh, you know, I know that uh, I think the U.S. lost the Ryder Cup where he was uh, he captain was captain. I can't remember where it was. Um, I think it was in Europe. But he didn't receive rave reviews as captain. And I think part of that is due to his nature. Um, he's not someone who's going to make you feel good. Um, he's going to say, look, let's do this. Let's do this. And then we will feel good. Okay. But until you get the job done, um, let's just focus on getting the job done. You know, he's really a, a, a cut and dried, tough guy. Um, and that was my, my sense of him, you know? Um, you know, it's funny. This just came to mind uh, as we kind of began this podcast and I was trying to come up with some stories. He was almost 50 and he was getting ready to go on to the senior tour. And he came down to Orlando and he was working, spent like three days working with David. Yeah. And, you know, you know that, that look at the top is generally not something that, you know, David would go for go exactly yeah so of course and those those narrow narrow arms and narrow elbows and forearms and anyway so but he he really worked hard for three or four days and and you know he's getting his arms wider and it's you know getting a little bit shallower and and uh and so we got in the plane and i don't know if you remember this or not but of course he's he had scrapped that all of those three days of training right he's yeah. like, so david said something to him that effect i noticed I noticed you're not, not doing, you're not doing any of that. Yeah. Right? He goes, he goes, I tried that for like two weeks. He goes, I'm hitting hooks. I'm hitting slices. He says, I couldn't find the balls. They couldn't send me enough balls to play golf. <laughs> so he said, I just went back to what used to work for me. It's always a good, good formula. If you're Tom Watson, yeah, well, yeah. go back, um, go, what do they say? Dance with the woman you're wrong or dance with who you brung. Yeah. Um, and if you're Tom Watson, that's pretty good. You know, that, that's yeah. actually an interesting thing, like, I, you know, just to get your thoughts on this. Um, and this is certainly something that I think can help people is, you know, the old saying, you know, just just go back to your natural swing. And I always remember Jack Nicholas writing that or saying that at some point. And that puzzled me because if I was Jack Nicholas, I would go back to my old swing, my natural swing or Tom mm. Watson. Um, but if I'm trying to break 100, and struggling to do that what is your old natural swing probably got to make some improvements you know, that was something that always puzzled me um was i get it let's not get overly technical let's not get overly complicated something we certainly aspire to do here at golf fanatics but at some point if you wish to upgrade the performance you've got to upgrade the input and so often golfers will come to me. I had people in my golf school this week say, uh, you know, it's all in the head. It's really, you know, I've just got to get my head right. And, and I said, I'm sorry. I think you're, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. You've got to get your mechanics in order. Um, this is a fact. You can stand over, think about a three foot putt. You can stand over a three foot putt feeling like you're going to miss and you'll make it. And you can stand over a three-foot putt feeling like you're going to make it and you'll miss it, okay? Not always, 
Um, but it goes to show that the way you feel, how your head's working, isn't necessarily the result you're going to get. And if you've got good mechanics and you've got somewhat functional mechanics, um, now your chances, your ability to hit those repeatable, functional, enjoyable golf shots, um, the chances go up. Yeah. Be relaxed. Don't try too hard. Let it, let it, uh, let your natural rhythm and things like that just kind of come out. Yeah. You got, you got to practice. You got to practice. And I think if you do that, you develop that skill set and you get your mechanics in a place in order to where they can function more frequently. Um, now you can relax. Now you can let it flow and get to that natural state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Blake, what other stories we got, mate? I know we've got some doozies, hey? Uh, well, a lot of them, you know, you can't mention names. Yeah, but we can still, <laughs> we, we don't need to mention names, hey? We can, we can tell stories. Um, you know, I, I like this story that there's this one really, you know, well-known player on the PGA Tour. He's a, just a lovely fellow. Just, he's the, he is funny, funny, funny. I'll let him rename, be nameless, but... You shoot 66 or 65. He had an you know, amazing number at the end of the scorecard. And a, and, a, and, a, and a reporter caught him coming off the, the golf course and said, hey, fantastic round today. And, and he said, are you kidding me? He said, I hit four fairways and three greens. And I hit it at 80 yards over here and 60 yards over here. And I'm, I hold it out twice from like 40 yards off. He goes, it was a terrible round of golf. And the announcer just kind of stared there and looked at him like, thanks for your time. <laughs> um, I think I think I know uh, I know the player that you speak of, and this player, <laughs> this player, one year uh, he had uh, he had an interesting caddy, and <laughs> he starts out. I think it was at Bay Hill actually, and he starts out, and um, uh, it may have been a South African player uh, who had some success, an older South African player who had some success on the tour and he starts out struggling and uh, he bogeys the first hole, three putts the second hole, um, doesn't get it up and down on the third hole and he's really ticked off as he walks onto the fourth tee and he says to his caddy, he looks around and he says, I really, I, I feel like I could just break something. <laughs> and his caddy said, why don't we start with par? <laughs> why don't we start with par um, i'm not i'm not sure he's caddy caddied for him much longer after that who who is the player who's has this he had an overweight caddy and his overweight caddy says hey i've got to i've got to use a porta john i've got to i've got to and the porta john was on a little bit of a side slope and he was a big caddy and he goes into the porta so he sits tells his you know he tells his the player he says i'll be right back yeah here Take your putter and your driver. If I'm not back by the time you get to the, you know, the second shot on the yep. next hole, fire me. Yeah. So he goes over to the Porta John, sits down. The Porta John falls oh. backwards. Brutal. And, and all that blue stuff comes out, right? <laughs> so he had just taken his his uh, you know, his, you know, he had the bib and everything, you know, where they put the the the, the yardage book like in the front. So yeah. He, he comes back and of course he's got everything he's covered from it like oh. neck neck to toes right yeah and and so he he goes you know he comes up to this player on the 
you know, the, before the second shot on the next hole. And he's like covered in this stuff. And he's like, the player's like, well, how far we got? <laughs> so he's got to dig into the, <laughs> into the caddy bib and pull the out, blue. pull and look through the blue and everything to get, to get the number, <laughs> to get the yardage. Oh, brutally. There's, there's gotta be some great stories out there. The, the um, I remember a couple of years ago at Harbortown, we had uh, we had gone with a couple of families, and there were some little girls um, who made up our group. You know, and the little girls had a golf tournament there. Obviously, really bored, so I said, "Girls, come, let's go. We're gonna have some fun. I'm gonna get you some stuff." And I think it was it was most probably the Saturday round, uh, and we were standing on the 16th tee at Harbortown, and so I said, "Okay, girls." You got to say what I want you to say. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what to say, but you go ahead and say it. And so, um, it was fantastic because um, I'm sure you've heard the name James Hahn. He's one on the PGA Tour. James Hahn comes up, and so I pull out Twitter and I followed him on Twitter at the time. And I look up on Twitter, and he said his heading his his label for himself is the Priceline King. Okay, so I said, girls, here's the deal. If this guy hits it in the fairway, the two, and these two girls are like eight years old, cute little girls, hey? If this guy hits a good shot down the fairway, um, the two of you are going to clap and shout and go, way to go, Priceline King. Okay, so, so James Hahn hits this ball down the fairway, and uh, these two girls start clapping, and they go, way to go, Priceline King, loud, you know? And James Hahn looks around, he's like, I can see him talking to his cat. He's like, those two girls follow me on Twitter. So <laughs> they're clapping. He gets in his bag and he gets out like piles of golf balls and gloves and tees. And he's just heaping stuff to these little girls. He's like, oh, thanks for following me. They, they thought, oh, this is fantastic. They, they said, what do we say to the next player? I said, I don't know if I can duplicate that. Um, but it was a formula that worked well for a couple of groups. And then, uh, but nobody was as good as James Hahn. He loved it that these little girls knew that he was the Priceline King. I had a, I had a kid uh, who uh, had, a, had a favorite golfer who will remain nameless. But we were at, um, in Tampa, and it wasn't called the Valspar then. I think it might have been like the Pods or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's changed a and few so, times. This was back when I, I had a tour badge and I had a tour pass to get onto the range. So I said, okay, here's the deal. Your favorite players, you know, 10 players down there, don't bother him right now, but you know, he's got to walk this way to get to the first tee. So he had, you know, he had a Sharpie and he had a baseball cap. He was going to, you know, all, all excited to get this guy's autograph. So regardless the, the his favorite player kind of, kind of shunned him aside. And he's like, so with that, John Daly, who's standing about, 10 feet away, kind of caught the corner of my eye. And he said, come over here. And he said, what's that kid's name? And I said, Nick, he said, Nick, come over here. And uh, he's like, you know who I am? And he's like, John Daly. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, you want a couple golf balls and, and a couple of my golf clubs? So he's just signs the glove. It's right on, on, on his hand, pulls it off, gives it to the kid. Same thing kind of gives like, you know, three or four golf balls to the kid. Couldn't have been, a nicer guy and save the situation for this little boy who, yeah. whose idol was, was, you know, kind of shunned him. Yeah. So yeah. I'm always, always been a John Daly fan for that reason. 
that's neat. Eh? That's good. That, that, that's so neat to hear because, and I get it, you know, having been out there, uh, certainly not in a playing capacity, in, in a little bit of a coaching capacity, um, these players are working and I get it. They're not always going to be open and nice and amenable to what people are looking for. Right. right. They're, um, you know, they're basically in their be, office, right? There's going to be, there's, there's times when I'm grouchy and I'm not going to talk to anyone either, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes players are judged by the people that are there to watch them on these little one minute, 30 second windows of interaction that they have with them. And, and I get that, but it is so neat to see how um, other players will often see that and pick up the ball like John yeah. Daly did. That's, yeah. that's neat. That's, uh, that's great to hear. It, it really is. Uh, it, that's some good stuff. I, I'm not sure why I remember this, but um, I, another James Hahn story, not many people know this, I think this is so cool. I, I wish I could have this type of mindset when playing golf. James Hahn and his caddy once played uh, rock, paper, scissors to determine whether he would go for it on a par five shot. The, the caddy said, you, got, you, can't, you can't make it. You can't get over the water. James Hahn said, I can get over the water. And uh, they did rock, paper, scissors. James Hahn won. Okay. So he says, okay, we're going for it. So he hits it over, ball lands over the hazard. He's like, yes, yes, yes. Trickles down the bank, back in the water. The caddy's like, see, I told you, we should have, we should have laid up. <laughs> um, that is, that is some good fun stuff. I think, you know, That's to great. be able to keep it that lighthearted out there. I'm sure yeah. it wasn't for the win or anything like that, but um, Hey, you never know, you know, yeah. you never know, you never know. Like during your years involved in golf, uh, what advice would you share with the everyday golfer, someone listening in to say, hey, I'm looking to play better golf in all your years of experience? What would you say, hey, if you could adopt this approach towards improvement, towards playing better, what would it be? I think you need to understand what what you struggle with. You know, I, I think when, when TrackMan came out, um, and I realized that my attack angle was seven degrees from the inside that I had a major problem. And mm-hmm. I, I had been trying to get the golf club to the inside for many, many years. And I had succeeded yeah. to the, to the, to the point where it, it was now a, a very large detriment. Yeah. So I think understand- and you struggled with hooks, right? Oh my you, God. I when I met you, 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 I you still, struggled with hooks yeah. for a long, long time. And once you kind of got that, that information, it was like, whoa, game changer. Yeah. I mean, just knowing what, cause you know, we're, we're not going to change hour to hour, you know, I mean, if you're yeah. working on your game, you work on your game, you work on your game, you can change, you know, over time, but there's some people that like, they just kind of, you know, if you don't see somebody for a year, you know, you kind of come back and, you know, Hey, Nick price. Well, you know, it was like the same lesson that David had to repackage. 10,000 times, right? It mm. was like, you know, it, it's shut, it's, it's, it's steep. Of course, he was so great on the downswing, it really didn't matter. But um, knowing what you do, you're, you're, you're probably not going to be doing something different next week than you did this week. Mm. You're just going to kind of, you just got to understand what you're doing and not try to overcomplicate it. Mm. So, so the message there is know your bias. Yeah. Know your tendency and have a toolkit that can help you overcome that. 
Yeah. Would you say? I mean, I remember giving John Houston a lesson. This is 20 years ago. The, the guy who would lead them every Masters, Masters he ever yeah. played in after the first round. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, uh, what are we doing here? Are we hooking it or are we cutting it? He goes, you tell me. I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I can do it, but we got to make a decision. Are we going to hook it or are we going to cut it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the, the saying we've said already, dance with who you brung. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing, I think is important. When you're practicing, you can work towards moving that to wherever you would like it to be. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to ball flight, and, and uh, this is important for golfers to, to understand, when it comes to ball flight, uh, the club head communicates that message to the golf ball. It doesn't know who you are. It doesn't know you're not a tour player. It doesn't know you're a six foot five or five foot five. Um, it doesn't know your intent. It's simply the ball simply responds to that message delivered by the club. And certain, if you're trying to hit fades and swing in seven degrees from the inside and trying to get it more to the inside, it ain't happening, right? No. Okay. And so you need to be able to understand uh, basic ball flight laws. This club needs to communicate in this fashion in order for the ball to fly a certain way, whatever that might be. Uh, but there are elements of club delivery to ball, club communication to the golf ball that are non-negotiable. If, if you're hitting up on your irons, non-negotiable. If you're swinging nine degrees to the right, if your club path is nine degrees from in to out and you're hitting up on your driver nine degrees, non-negotiable, yeah. you're going to struggle. Okay. You're going to struggle. Um, if your club path is 20 degrees from out to in, you're going to struggle. And so I think great advice for all golfers out there is find your bias, find your tendency and a go-to package a go-to drill that's going to help you get it back on the tracks get it back in play um, i just did a an online lesson a, a facetime lesson with a student of mine um, who plays at stanford and it's amazing how many times just like nick price and just you know you you mentioned um that mindset of how can i give that same lesson lots of different ways yeah. you know it's we're always trying it's not fancy um, we're always trying to work back to what you do when you play your best. And it, it doesn't have to be this revolutionary new swing technique that you've seen on Instagram. Um, it's just how can I get my club, my body to, to have the club run into the ball the way I'd like for it to do. I, I love that that example you do in your golf schools where you set the track man up and you swing it at like 85 miles an hour, how, how you figured out how to swing it at 85 miles an hour so consistently, but to show up an average golfer, okay, if I swing at 85 miles an hour and I strike it, you know, four degrees down and across, down and across the ball flies 200 yards. Yeah. But I'm going to swing at 85 miles an hour and attack it inside two degrees and, hit, and up. hit up and the ball goes 40 yards further yeah is that right about yeah. right 40 yards that's about, yeah. yeah yeah that's a, a you know 20 plus because everybody you know. wants to every, everybody thinks okay you know I, i'm getting i'm getting older i'm gonna have to swing it harder i'm gonna have to swing it faster i'm you know you know myself included you know almost you know approaching magic number of 60 right now you know i can't swing it you know very very quick anymore so it better i better be more efficient right yeah yeah that's that's the first place to start. If you'd like to hit the ball further, 
figure out how you can get the most out of what you've got first, be efficient with it, hit up, hit it out the middle of the face, club path fairly neutral. We don't want excessively into out or excessively out to in, club path fairly neutral. Uh, and once you've got that, and the magic number is, is it's quite simple really, it's 2.75 yards per mile per hour. Okay, so if you swing at 100 miles an hour, you have the potential to drive the ball in a playing capacity, 275 yards total, not carry, hit and roll. Okay, that's sea level, neutral conditions, not downwind, not downhill. Um, and so once you're there, if you swing at 80 or 90 or 100, just multiply that by 2.75. And once you're at that two point or close to that 2.75, the only other way you're going to get longer is MPH. Then you got to start working to ramp up the, the club speed, which, hey, thankfully, I know this uh, oh, five years ago, we didn't think it was possible for players to increase their club speed. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau has shone a very bright light on the fact that it is possible. Um, the data shows the value of increasing club speed. And in my estimation, I think it's something that everybody should be working on and working towards is, is efficiency first, speed second. How can we really get, uh, how can we really get the most out of it? Simply because if I use this analogy in my golf schools, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling a little here, Blake. Um, if you become a better bunker player, when does that help you? One, you've got to be in a bunker. Two, you've got to hit a better bunker shot than the bunker shot you used to hit. So it helps you a portion of the time, okay? If you get 10 yards longer, when does that help you? On your first swing of the day, second swing of the day, third swing of the day, fourth swing of the day. And so you're getting, you're getting, you're reaping the rewards of that effort and that work um, by figuring out how to go hit the ball further. And there's a lot of, a lot of great stuff online, you know, to, to just go to YouTube and, and, um, and watch, you know, what kind of exercises and core exercises and things like that. To you know, obviously here at golf fanatics, we're trying to, we're trying to do that for golfers. Okay. We're trying to provide you with that information. Mike Carroll has been uh, a tremendous, uh, our, our fitness expert. Um, he's been a tremendous resource for me as a coach. Uh, for me as a player, and um, he's he's the he really should be your go-to man. Fitforgolf.blog. Check out Mike Carroll if you haven't looked at him already. Um, tremendous information to help anyone get stronger and longer, stronger and longer. Um, Blake, any other parting stories you would like to share with us? Um, just you know, from from the days back at uh, summers in Bradenton, I, you know, teaching what? I, groups of French kids and and you know, you know, it's funny as uh, Rishi and <laughs> Rishi. Well, I, I will. I wanted to say this story It's funny as um, my neighbor lives two doors down from me. Um, he's a good player and actually played at Wake Forest uh, and then transferred to North Carolina and was on the on the team when Davis Love was on on the team. OK. And, and you know, he kind of wanted his son to kind of follow in his. So. His son was a freshman, I think, in high school, and 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 Mitch, you know, he called me up because you got any three woods in the in the in the garage. Maybe you know Tyler could come up and maybe find a three wood that, that suits his eye. So he comes up to the to the to the garage, and I open it up, and there's you know three or four staff bags out there, and he's like, and he pulls out a persimmon headed driver, you know, and the thing is, yeah, small, so 
and he pulls it out and he puts it on the ground. He goes, what is this thing? <laughs> a 14 year old first wooden club he'd ever seen. Really? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so much cool stuff out there. Um, Blake, we always close with the fast finish questions. Okay. Okay. And so I'm going to fire these at you. Uh, I don't want you to think too much about them, but okay. you're just going to pop off and say what your pick would be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tiger or Jack? Um, I think. Be don't think. All right, Jack. Okay, there we go. Yeah. That that's how fast finish works. Okay? okay, you just you don't have to explain. You just go Jack. The equipment he had though was had to play with was great was crazy. Uh, the Open Championship or the U.S. Open? Open Championship. I like that choice. Mickey Wright or Annika Sorenstam? I think Annika, just because of the, the age when, you know, the era that she played in, a lot, of, a lot more competition. But would, would you rather uh, win a major championship or the money list? Certainly a major. Walk or ride? Walk. All day. Caddyshack or Tin Cup? Your Honor, Your Honor. <laughs> if you want to find someone who knows word for word verbatim this guy this guy no knows my nephew knows my, my <laughs> better nephew. than you yeah gee that's amazing yeah. uh pebble beach or st andrews st andrews would you rather be the best iron player or the best driver well i was such a poor driver my whole life i'd say driver okay good good uh links or parkland uh links the rolling stones or the beatles Rolling Stones. I like that too. I like that. I can see why we're buddies, Shubes. Yeah. I can see why we're buddies. And then the bonus question, something that we concoct specifically for each guest. Um, and I, I, you can give a little background on this, Blake. Um, Pinot Noir or Cabernet? <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of like asking, you know, uh, um, Pebble Beach or Cypress Point? Well, yeah, you know, we, we, these are not meant to be I, easy. I'd say if I, if, I, if I had to go with one for the rest of my life, it would be Cabernet. If I had to Cabernet. go with just one. That's interesting. I know you go with Sangiovese. I think I would go with Tuscan Sangiovese. Yeah, yeah. No, Blake and I, we, we love wine. We, uh, we visit uh, a, a bunch of wineries each year and uh, we take our wives out there and go and have a good time, whether it's in, uh, in Oregon or California, we haven't been to California for a long time. Or Africa, um, South Africa, we've been to. Uh, so we we were going to go to Italy together. Yes, until someone didn't make it. Me, um, I forgot a little thing that I needed a visa. <laughs> so that was a bad, bad situation. Bad memories. Let's not think about that. But um, we do enjoy some wine. Uh, we love talking wine. We love talking golf and. Um, certainly we hope that you've enjoyed our little banter session uh, it's always good to have you listening in thank you so much I do appreciate your time do appreciate your viewership and please if you have any questions shoot us a note send us some information and we would we would love to come up with some ideas to uh, to share with you to help you ultimately have more joy out on the golf course shooby dooby Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Great to have you here. Thanks for having first, me. The first in-house guest that we've had, and uh, hopefully we'll do some more. Looking forward to it. 
Uh, stay safe out there. Enjoy the game. Have some fun. Thanks for watching. Thank you.